This is episode 42 of Tegan Goes Vegan. I'm your host, Tegan Karuna. This week, I spoke with Vance Lemkul, who is the vegan reporter for Philly.com. Philly has a really amazing vegan food scene. So we're really fortunate to have somebody whose entire column is dedicated to vegan food here in the city. Vance and I talk about the evolution of that column and kind of how he was able to get them to give him a whole a whole space to talk about vegan food, which seems so niche. Vance and I had a really great conversation also about his journey to become vegan. It took him many years to go from vegetarian to vegan. So for those of us out there who are thinking about becoming vegan or are taking a slower approach, a more incremental approach, Vance has a really great story that I think will resonate with you. And for those of us who did it kind of quickly, it's always great to remember that there are different approaches out there that work for different people. And there's not a one size fits all when it comes to going from eating a standard American diet to eating a vegan diet and living a vegan life. Vance also has a new book out called V for Veg, which is a compilation of some of his best writing from the column. So if you like this interview, I highly recommend that you check out the book. Real quick, before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that we have an email list. If you go to tegangoesvegan.com slash contact or go to the Facebook page, there's a pinned post there that will take you right to the sign up page. The first email for that is going to go out at the end of the month. So that is, I guess, Halloween. So if you want to get a digest of the recent episodes and some news and interesting articles that came out in the last month, sign up for the email newsletter now so that way you get the first one. As always, if you have a minute, head on over to iTunes, rate and review the show, follow on social media, Twitter and I was going to say Instagram. I don't use Instagram for the show. Twitter and Facebook. Make sure that you are subscribed on iTunes or whatever your podcast app of choice is. All right. I think that's enough housekeeping for one day. So anyway, here he is. This is the absolutely wonderful Vance Lemkel. Vance, when did you become vegan? Okay, uh, you'd think that would be an easy question to answer. <laughs> no, I'm learning over time. It's not. <laughs> Most people are like, well, it was kind of... Uh. Yeah, it was uh, one of these things uh, where I had set um, a, a transition period for myself, having decided uh, as a vegetarian that I needed to be vegan. Now, I went vegetarian in 1985. That I can, I can pinpoint the day. It was December 28th, 1985, because I actually had a vegetarian friend who was very influential on my thinking uh, perform a ceremony, a kind of confirmation ceremony for me to like officially become vegetarian. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> and so, but when I became vegan, um, I, I had, I gave myself three years after deciding that I had to be vegan. Uh, I gave myself three years to go and eliminate, you know, go through that transition of eliminating uh, dairy and eggs from my diet, and then sometime in uh, 2001, I was supposed to be vegan by the end of 2001, but sometime in early 2001, I realized that I hadn't had any milk and eggs in a while, and I was actually ahead of schedule, but I don't know what the actual date was, so sometime around the end of 2000 or the beginning of 2001. 
So why did you give yourself the three-year <laughs> transitional grace period? Well, this is, this is a, a story that I've told before, but I'm I will. Sure. Um, it may resonate with some people. Again, I'd been vegetarian for 13 years when I went to Vegetarian Summerfest, which uh, I went there to promote uh, my previous book, The Joy of Soy, a collection of vegetarian cartoons. And I probably would not have gone had it been called Vegan Summerfest. But when I got there, I found that it really was a vegan uh, populated and vegan ideology uh, event. And uh, at that point, I became exposed to some facts that I had managed to just remain blissfully unaware of, such that cows have to be pregnant to give milk. One Who'd of these things that... Yeah, I know. As yeah. Once you know, it's like, and why did I not understand that before? But there are still people walking around on the street outside today that, that have not grasped that. But anyway, I got this information that made me say, oh, I, you know, when I went vegetarian, what I really meant to do was go vegan. But now, um, and I was, I was still drinking milk, like milk with cookies, uh, you know, I had to have that as as my dessert because when I was a child, I said, when I grow up, I'll have milk and cookies for dessert every day. And that'll <laughs> show you. And so I was still like making good on that to prove that that I could do that. Um, and I was eating a lot of cheese and I was like looking at how my life would be without these these treats in it. Um, and I knew that it was going to be this just barren wasteland. Sorry, I uh, hit the cord. That's okay. Um, this barren wasteland of, uh, you know, just this harsh tundra landscape of living without milk and cheese, and especially cheese. Um, so I didn't want to, like, take this huge leap and then fall back. Um, so I said, I, and when I, even when I went vegetarian, in 85, I decided to become vegetarian in September and went through a transition period through uh, December where I was cutting down. So I said, I'm going to do the same thing only over a larger span of time. And the main thing was that I just, I couldn't imagine living without cheese. And it was just going to be, it was going to be so tough, but I was going to do it because it was the right thing to do. And I was thinking of how you know heroic I was to, <laughs> to give this up and live this monastic kind of life. And um, and so at the around the point uh, that uh, it may have been before the point that I officially realized that I was had been become vegan, um, I was looking back at uh, eating cheese, and it had been you know a month maybe since I had any, and I was like, cheese? Why would I want to eat that? <laughs> That's absurd. Um, and so then I found out that it's it's actually not a, a harsh tundra landscape, and I probably coulda, woulda, shoulda gone vegan sooner, but that's how I did, and, and it did work in so far as uh, I'm still vegan today. So. Yeah, it sounds like you realized that you needed the transition time for yourself, like that you knew what the end goal was, but in terms yeah. of making it actually stick, right? the, the threat of failing right. was was enough that you were you know compassionate towards yourself and saying like this I know this is the right thing to do and I'm going to slowly make this change over time and like you said it worked right for you well and again yeah I mean I know people who have gone vegan almost instantly from omnivore to vegan uh like overnight um I know other people that are even 
now still transitioning, uh, taking longer than myself, but it's hard, hard for me to come down on them when I, I had to, you know, do it my way. And everybody I think has to, has to kind of do it their way. Yeah. We're all starting from different points and our motivations are different and what we're emotionally capable of doing at any given moment is different. And it, to me, it makes sense to kind of let people do whatever process works for them. For me, it was, I did a 30 day challenge for myself. I didn't know that these challenges were a thing that existed in the world. I just did it for myself. I was like, I think I could probably make this work. And then went from omnivore to vegan overnight for that 30 days. And then Mm -hmm. like two weeks in, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely sticking with this. Yeah, Looking back on it, that may well have worked for me that I just, I mean, doing the, you know, uh, experimental vegan lifestyle, knowing that I had and out that I could go back without, you know, violating any commitment that I had made, that may have worked. I might have gotten to the end of 30 days, but I came up with this way that I thought was how I had to do it. And so, you know, whatever might have happened otherwise, that's that's the way that actually wound up with me being vegan. So, And, hey, I don't know. It worked. It sounds like a yeah. good thing to me. Um, so when you finally... Even during the transition from vegetarian to vegan, what was that like in um, like in social, in the like the social aspects of thing? Because in you know the late nineties, early two thousands, vegan was not nearly as popular as right. it is now. Did you find yourself having to explain? Did you get pushback from people? What was that? like? Well, I mean, I had the advantage of already uh, being established as a vegetarian in my social circle, so I was already. Uh, kind of odd man out in a lot of those situations, and um, so with with my non vegan and non vegetarian friends, um, I don't know that it really made that much of a difference. Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like start, you know, wagging my finger at people <laughs> and saying I'm about to go vegan, so you should also right. be about to go vegan. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, I, I did meet more vegans in town, and I actually got uh, some social support uh, from them, and got uh, you know, involved in uh, doing some vegan work in the community. I helped uh, to uh, to organize the Better Living Festival at the Ethical Society in 2000, which was a vegan uh, event that uh, also helped me learn about doing vegan events, which I've uh, been doing some of recently uh, now. Um, So it was, I would, I I didn't, if you're looking for any anecdotes of how it redounded on me in a comical or antagonistic (laughs) way, I really didn't find find that. In fact, I found that, um, and this is something that, um, you know, it goes back to this quote that's often attributed to Goethe, but is actually... Uh, by this mountain climber who who was quoting this part of this play, paraphrasing the part of this play that Goethe wrote, um, to say that, um, and I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it rhymed, and it was about how um, if you're thinking about doing something, uh, just go ahead and do it, and don't worry about you know, the things that you think are obstacles there, because once you commit to doing it, uh, there's like this magic that happens that you'll find things aligning to make it actually work so that you can do it. But first, you have to actually commit yourself to doing it. And um, 
And I did find, I mean, it's like once I, you know, there were no, there was no silk in the, uh, in the grocery store when I went to Summerfest and then I came back and like within a couple months, all of a sudden they're selling soy milk and it was like, Oh, now this is a convenient thing that I can get. Oh, if only I could had something vegan that I could uh, have in my coffee. And then they came out with silk creamer. And so it was like, it really seemed like the world was stepping up to, uh, to kind of reflect that, that choice. So I don't know if what the whole you know, metaphysical mechanics of it are, but it actually, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. It, so when you finally took the the final leap and you realized that it wasn't the barren wasteland, was it really, was it finding the products that you enjoyed in their animal form? Animal form? That's a weird way of putting it, but you know what I'm trying to say. Sure. Was it finding those products? Was it learning how to cook new foods, like how did you bridge some of that, the gap that you were concerned about having? Well, I did I did learn a lot more about food and cooking once I became vegan. I don't know where what the real reason for that is because, um, you know, I, um, I've been married since 1988 and my wife uh, is a fantastic cook. And so for a few years, you know, I would help out with the cooking <laughs> um, by making pasta some nights or this or that, things that basically involve boiling water or <laughs> something that that's mm-hmm. very easy because I'm the man. How am I supposed to know these things that women just are born knowing? You know, I mean, I don't want to, I wouldn't actually have said that at the time because I was already a feminist before I became a vegetarian, but we did have kind of that a watered-down version of that gender dynamic um, because she was so much better at cooking than I. Well, why would we want to put ourselves through having to eat my food on a day that we could eat her food? Um, and so she was kind of gently pulling me along uh, in during that whole period where I was vegetarian. And um, at Summerfest, I also learned uh, things about nutrition and about different foods. Um, basically, I mean, the dark leafy greens... Um, I had, I, I rarely ate any when I was a vegetarian and, uh, just learning about some of those properties and how you can start including things. I started, uh, eating those and like meat analogs, which were still, I mean, you had tofurkey, you didn't have the tofurkey line of convenience products that, that you now had, but, uh, that was just like about to ramp up again it seemed like that came along like right when i went vegan so um so yeah i mean i did try different things uh commercially and i also tried different things in the kitchen and now at this point i would say that i'm a good cook i'm not i'm still not a great cook it could happen but i've (laughs) learned always time to learn more there is and i am learning more (laughs) every time (laughs) like uh i mean I, just a couple of weeks ago, I brought a dish to the table and we started eating it. And I was like, ah, now I see that I should have done this before I did that. And my wife was like, yeah, well, I didn't want to say anything. But, <laughs> so I'm, I'm still learning. Yeah. Do, do you have a specialty? Um, well, yeah. I mean, one of the things is pasta. <laughs> but <laughs> Still boiling that water. There's a pasta with uh, a green pasta that I make that's uh, got a kind of a kale pesto based sauce that uh uh involves uh white beans and mayonnaise and 
uh, soy milk or almond milk, and then uh, basil and uh, kale, a lot of kale. Uh, then you have broccoli, and also, well, you got to have some protein uh, in there. Well, obviously, these constituents have some protein, but you want to have some big protein to, to chomp on. Uh, so usually I put tofurkey Italian sausages mm. sliced up uh, in that. Sounds and that's, pretty good. I'm, I've been perfecting that as we go along. And, uh, yeah, although, you know, my perfecting it means making it over and over, which then my, my kids and the rest of the family are like, oh, this again. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, this green pasta with sausage chunks in it. Great. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Is your whole family vegan? Uh, no, my wife is. When I was said uh, there are people who are still transitioning, that's uh, she's one of those. Now, uh, you know, she was an omnivore when we were married. I was already a vegetarian at that point, um, and that was in '88. I think it was somewhere around 2006 after I had already been vegan that she said, "All right, you know." From this point here, I'm ready to declare myself a vegetarian. So it took her that long to to get to vegetarian, but she did. So I believe that she will make it uh, to vegan. I mean, we don't eat vegan. I mean, we don't eat any animal products uh, in the house. Um, and uh, in terms of my, I have a daughter and a son. Uh, my son is now vegan. Um, we, when they were born, uh, I wasn't vegan, and we had agreed that we were going to raise the children vegetarian. Uh, until they were 12, and at age 12, uh, we would say, all right, now, you know, you can decide whether you want to continue being vegetarian or not, but uh, if you want to partake of these other foods, you can do that outside the house. Um, so by the time each of them were 12, um, I was vegan. We had a kind of a vegan household, um, but uh, they... Both of them as teenagers stuck to vegetarianism but still wanted to be able to have pizza with their friends at all these social events. And I, you know, uh, I didn't want to uh, come down too hard on that. Other parents have different strategies. But uh, then my son, who had been kind of uh, going back and forth about it, uh, became vegan uh, at age 18. My daughter says she's going vegan. She's become more serious about that in the past few months, so uh, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, again, uh, everybody's everybody's on the path. As long as they're, they're trending in, in the right direction, it's fine with me. So did you talk to them about, like, how old were they when you became vegan and did you talk to them at that point about why you were making the switch from vegetarian to vegan or did that come later because they were too little yeah i really um when i decided to become vegan my daughter was one and my son was five so um i you know obviously i didn't explain to my one-year-old daughter you know you've been vegetarian so far but we're going to she was barely eating food at that point (laughs) (laughs) she didn't know what she's doing and i my son i didn't really um no i didn't talk that much about it because uh uh i didn't um i didn't take the approach of and again i don't want to diss any other parents because no parent really uh should be in the business of telling other parents uh, how to do things in general. Um, But I didn't uh, make it into a, you know, there is this terrible evil that's going on and it's, uh, 
you know, it's disgusting, it's sickening, it's heartbreaking, and we are out there fighting against it, and we alone are going to take a stand against this. I just um, kind of made it. This is how uh, this is how we are. This is how we eat. We eat plants, and uh, we don't eat animals. And uh, you know, not eating animal products is just kind of a well, it's a logical extension of that, so I didn't have to go into too much explanation of that. I will say that um, my son, when he was very young, we, um, you know, we were giving him cow's milk, and he, uh, I, I think he had probably some digestive problems with that that I was just blind to at the time because I was still, even as a vegetarian again, even knowing all of the duplicity and lies of the meat industry. I was still like, well, of course, milk is well, it does it's the fine body for good, it. it. Does right? the body good? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, uh, it's the thing that you gotta have got. So <laughs> it's, uh, so you know, we were trying to make sure that he was nice and healthy. Um, but at any rate, he still had had a taste for for cow's milk at that time. And once I came home, I said, all right, well, we're going to stop having so much milk, and we're going to have soy milk which was at the time pretty much the only, I mean, soy milk and rice milk was uh, all you could just easily uh, get a hold of in in regular stores. Um, And so we started like instituting that regimen and my daughter, uh, so she never really had cow's milk. Uh, She had soy and rice milk and she actually got so attached to soy that we had to like back off and say, we don't, you know, you've had enough soy for today because he didn't want her to get an allergy to it. Um, and w- my son just never took to soy milk. He never liked soy milk because uh, it didn't taste right. It didn't taste like what he was used to. And uh, he just essentially grew out of wanting any kind of milk on anything. And to this day, he doesn't he doesn't really drink soy milk or, or put it on cereal or do anything, uh, anything with it. Um, so it's um yeah I mean I I've kind of wandered a little bit oh I was explaining about yeah the the whole um like saying that we're we're vegan and this is why um I I should say that I uh we raised our children uh in a kind of a Rudolf Steiner influenced environment my wife is a Waldorf teacher um, they went to Waldorf schools, and uh, part of the philosophy, a large part of the philosophy of Waldorf is uh, is letting children be children while they're children and letting them come to certain stages where they're ready to deal with certain things. And part of that is you don't foist, you know, on them uh, a lot of adult technology, um, and you don't foist a lot of adult concerns on them that they really can't quite get their heads around or do anything about at certain stages. So you kind of wait until they're, they're ready for that. So I did probably less than other vegetarians or vegans. I did, uh, didn't wait less than now I got to coordinate with that. Probably more than other (laughs) vegetarians or vegans. I avoided like giving them any of the gory details of why it's so, why this is such an important thing. But I did try to uh, just kind of work that into the overall fabric of, of parenting. And I even, you know, one illustration of a potential pitfall of this is that we were um, we were eating dinner and, 
Oh, we were we were talking. I'm trying to think how old my daughter was. She was at least ten at this time, um, and I said something about jerk. There was some restaurant that was doing jerk this or jerk that, and my kids wanted to know what that was. And I said, well, there's this way of spicing things that people do sometimes: jerk chicken or or goat. And Mariah was like, "This is my daughter, Mariah," and she was like, "What? Are you telling me people eat goats?" <laughs> because she knew about the cows and the sheep and the pigs, but it was like goats. Come on, goats are so cute. How do people eat goats? And I, I admit it was a crazy idea, but it was just part of all the crazy ideas that they've had to kind of deal with. And now, you know, and now they're dealing with them as adults. Yeah, it's. I mean, you, despite you saying that you didn't do a lot in terms of you know telling them all of this information that you know could be really disturbing to a kid you did ha- raise them in a vegan household you were right. a vegan parent so they had a lot of the influence sure and certainly were able to have conversations where they were like well why this a- why do people eat this animal and you know those kinds of things so that that was happening in your family right just maybe wasn't as overt as it could have been so right it sounds like yeah certainly not as overt as uh as i could have made it i'm you know, I have a cartoon sensibility, and I could have drawn quite the detailed picture. So, oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about your um, uh, your professional vegan work. Right. You have this book about uh, joy of soy, which is a great title that I don't know why it like tickles me so much, but it does. And now you have the V for Veg column at philly.com and a book that yes. just came out so tell me tell me about like how being vegan has influenced your professional work okay well I, let me just uh, start by saying that the book the new book is v for veg the best of philly's vegan food column and it's a collection of uh some of the uh the columns that i thought lasted the best uh over the past five years um and this column is started obviously in 2011 uh five years ago uh, and before that, I had actually been writing uh, for the Daily News. I was hired by the Daily News in 2000 while I was transitioning to vegan uh, and actually decided to just tell my new work colleagues that I was vegan rather than explain that I was vegetarian transitioning to vegan. And so that made it uh, easier on me to uh eat vegan at work because I was playing the part of a vegan, <laughs> uh, even though I wasn't officially vegan yet in mid-2000. It took a, a few more months to kick in. Um, but shortly after that point, um, in early 2001, I started writing uh, pieces for the feature section. I was hired as online editor, um, so I was working in the newsroom you know, as a salaried employee, and part of the the concept that they had was that you know the they could use writing by newsroom employees in the paper um in certain circumstances if the employee had some particular you know uh, niche kind of thing that they were able to cover better than anybody else and so i was that person for vegan food and so the feature section could use my i could write things at work working it into my daily routine and then the feature section could use that uh, content without paying a freelancer fee for it so it was a symbiotic uh, relationship and in 2001 I did a lot of um, of, of vegan just features 
uh, on uh, just kind of introducing daily news readers to what vegan is and how you can do this, you can do that. Um, and then I got uh, some pushback uh, from the managing editor at the time who, uh, for reasons that are too complicated to go into right now, was uh, worried about the uh, the appearance of objectivity of the the daily news food section because if um, you had a column about vegan food then that meant you couldn't be that the daily news couldn't be objective about food <laughs> well at that point um, <laughs> that's a weird the, yeah in yeah. 2001 um it's funny because i actually did have a column uh where i was writing every other week uh but it wasn't my column it was a column that they had called good food which had which started out having various people contributing to it, but then over the course of this time, it evolved into me alternating with Christina Perillo uh, on a week-to-week basis, just writing these uh, quick hit kind of uh, things about things happening uh, around town, and uh, so I did I did that, but um, yeah, it was uh, I, uh, it was a strange thing that uh, the whole objectivity. Thing, but uh, the long and the short was that I was uh, told that I wouldn't be writing for the f- the food section anymore during this managing editor's tenure. Um, so I moved over uh, and started writing for the opinion section. I just wrote op eds <laughs> for the opinion section, and of course, op eds are something that a paper will take from anybody. Uh, they don't pay you generally for them. Um, but you can, you know, if you can write well enough to get your point across, they'll, they'll do that. And, uh, I had an editor there, Michael Sheffer in the opinion section. He was a, a very good editor and would help me hone my point, even though he disagreed 111% with everything that I said. Uh, he was one of those editors that, you know, could separate, uh, you know, his, his, his opinions from the work that he had to do. And he helped me, uh, get a lot of those, concepts across. So there I was writing um, not so much about food aspects, but um, I wrote about, you know, things like vegan prisoners and how um, how veganism should be treated on par with any religion when it came to determining whether people should get uh, meals in prison according to their uh, their convictions. Um, things I wrote a piece about Dennis Kucinich. I wrote about the uh, uh, the conflict of interest at the USDA and things like that that were more kind of big picture issues. Um, so I did that for a few years. Finally, in 2008, uh, after this managing editor had left, I came back to the food section with a piece on uh, the first veggie burgers at uh, Citizens Bank Park ah. uh, that were vegan, uh, thanks to the work of Scott Geiger, mostly, who had uh, worked with uh, their... Uh, their staff to make sure that when they had these vegetarian options that they were also going to be vegan. Um, So that was great. And then I started doing occasional pieces again and saying, you know, what would be great is if the Daily News had a column that would just (laughs) regularly update people on vegan happenings and look at how uh, Horizons has now come into the city and people are talking about vegan food and these this place is opening and there's going to be more of this happening. And I said that over a course of like two or three years and finally got uh, the approval for the column in uh, early 2011, just at the same time that I was moved, or I'm sorry, I was offered the opportunity to move <laughs> from uh, the Daily News to Philly.com. I mean, they're all part of the same 
overall company, but they're different divisions, so that by the time my column started, I was writing the column as a freelancer instead of that the kind of symbiotic relationship we had. Uh, so now, I, now I've been uh, writing that as, as a freelancer uh, the whole time while working at Philly.com. And that basically, that catches us up pretty much on, on that. Although I'm sure if you have any... Oh, Other I've got questions. questions. Don't okay. you worry. Yeah. Um, so you have been covering vegan life in Philadelphia for a long time. Yeah. And a lot of what... So, so Philadelphia is this amazing vegan-friendly city. And you have been able to kind of track that over time. Like, right. When do you think the real tipping point was for Philadelphia? Uh. Excellent question. And I call it excellent because I have an excellent answer for it. Hey, look, sim- symbiosis. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, I would put that at February 2006. And what happened then? What happened then was that when your that, column launched? <laughs> well, no, but I did write a cover story for the features, uh, the food section, uh, which was about how... I was saying that now the game was going to change in town with vegan eating because Horizons Cafe in Willow Grove, which I had been visiting for five years uh, since uh, since Dan Gross pointed me to them back in uh, 2001. I wrote them up briefly in 2001 uh, up there. Horizons Cafe was now going to move into Philadelphia proper uh, and drop the cafe and just be horizons and i knew the quality of this food and how and having taken other people there who were not vegan and have them go holy this is really something um i knew that that was going to impress a lot of people and i said so and it happened so <laughs> now that i that happened i i made that my uh my milepost on the on that timeline um but really looking back it really did um uh, it really did pan out because uh, one of the things that Rich Landau and Kate Jacoby did was uh, start training people at their restaurant, um, and they uh, they both have – I can't say enough good things about Rich and Kate. Um, I mean, they are strategic about how they – about their public face, and they don't tend to use the word vegan in their publicity or in the names of things. Um which, you know, I have a certain tactical disagreement with them about that, but they're the ones that are, that are in charge of their own publicity and everything. And, but they are um, really uh, pretty solid vegans uh, in, the, in the best sense of the word. And so their, their attitude and their convictions, I think, spread to uh, some of their employees who then, uh, when they left, they actually went out and started... Other restaurants. So you have like Mark Mebus, who is a sous chef at uh, Horizons, starting Blackbird, and now also uh, taking that up to Brooklyn with this uh, collaboration uh, with Champs up there. With another food place, you have uh, Nicole Marquis, who is a hostess at Horizons, who started Hip City Veg. Uh, Charlie was a sinner, Bar Bonbon, and Hip City Veg, also now expanding out to Washington. Um, you have uh, Rachel Klein of Miss Rachel's Pantry, uh, Ross Ulchvari of um, Sprig and Bine in New Hope. All of them started at Horizons. And so it's, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a pretty obvious uh, way that that one institution 
Certainly. I mean, there. It, I don't want to make it like there was nothing happening in town before that. But really, it was very, very niche. I mean, you had Harmony, you had Old Harmony and, and New Harmony <laughs> uh, in Chinatown. Um, you had, and you had some other, um, I think Singapore was already open by then in Chinatown. Uh, they're not there anymore. But uh, you also had Govinda's, uh, which is, uh, you know, very vegan friendly, even though they uh, still uh, serve mozzarella for whatever <laughs> Reason um, of all the things, yeah. I, why mozzarella? I don't know. I, I don't know. They, it, well, it's a funny thing. I mean, right now, looking at it from the standpoint of 2016, it's like mozzarella. You can do mozzarella like 10 or 12 different right. ways, <laughs> vegan. Why don't you just? But at the time, you know, in 2000 or whenever they were starting with that, you there the technology was just not there to make good vegan mozzarella. So I think they they started then, and they they didn't want to go back and look. I mean, I, I don't know. I've talked to. To hurry about that a couple of times and haven't had much success. Anyway, you had these these things like scattered about town, but this one uh, institution, Horizons, I think, really started germinating and uh, and blossoming uh, some of the latent vegan interest, both among people who wanted to make vegan food and people who wanted to eat it, and uh, it managed to focus a lot of that to where people found out, oh, this is. This is a great thing to try, and people who uh, who weren't necessarily that interested in eating vegan food uh, because they weren't vegan started becoming interested in it. And um, I don't know how many actual vegans they've necessarily made, but they've certainly helped change the whole concept of what restaurants in Philadelphia should offer in terms of uh, being able to have things that people who are vegan or even people who just want to eat vegan on, at a given meal uh, are going to have on their menu. And and for people who aren't here in Philadelphia, eventually, um, so, well, so I had both of them on the show um, a couple months back, and um, they eventually closed Horizons and opened Veg, right. which is, you know, a incredibly acclaimed restaurant, not just in the vegan world, but in the American food world in general. Um, and it's a truly fine dining restaurant that is, all vegan food. They're opening. They have. They open V Street, which is a more casual one. They're opening another, but you know they they have put vegan food on the fine dining map for right. sure. And I didn't realize how much they'd influenced these other vegan restaurants in the city. I didn't, right. had no idea that all of those people had worked at Horizons. It's yeah, fascinating. Well, I yeah, it's just something that I noticed over uh, over time. Although. Um, I mean, I, I had worked all these out. I think I did not know about Ross Olchvari, but Michael Klein, who is the food editor at Philly.com, who happens to be Rachel Klein's father, um, <laughs> said, you know, this would make a good article looking at the, the different things that uh, they did. And so I looked into it. I said, yeah, this would be a great V for Veg. So I, um, I have to... Hat tip to Michael Klein for that <laughs> that idea. But once I looked into it, also even Fernando Peralta of VGE and Bryn Mawr uh, worked at Horizons uh, very early on, um, but uh, he didn't stay there long because he had his own ideas, as as both he and Rich have said. And he went off. You know, he's done a very specific kind of thing, making this fast fast food vegan. That's also um, 
you know, kind of healthful. I mean, he's actually refined it over the years to actually put it in line with the whole uh, Caldwell Esselstyn and T. Colin Campbell whole foods plant based diet. Really? Same with very low oil, no added fats, very low fat um, kind of thing. So you know, he I, he's had this vision for a while, and but just you know, there were probably other people who. We haven't even heard from yet that uh, that have been influenced from by that, and also I should mention Dottie's Donuts is now like um, a second generation because the guys that started Dottie's started out working at Blackbird, and you know Mark uh, Mebus kind of served as a mentor to them and helped them uh, with advice and how to get the thing going and how to start with the business and then how to uh, get the storefront. They now have a, a storefront in West Philly. Yeah, so. and I've made the trek out to west philly from here a couple times specifically yeah. only for the donuts <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because getting a vegan donut is not easy right well so they're, ma- they're making them in-house i'll be there <laughs> yeah exactly and i should also mention something i've said before about uh dotty's donuts is that there is a kind of a blessing and a curse uh given that uh when i again when i started the daily news i said i was vegan and so one of the things about newsrooms uh is that they always seem to have uh, just food. They were constantly bringing in food for everybody in the newsroom. Um, and one of my colleagues has remarked, um, you know, if you, I shouldn't probably tell, uh, you know, the people who might be listening to this, but they said if you wanted to poison a bunch of journalists, just bring in a bunch of pizzas or something and put them in the middle of the room and nobody will ask questions. But also donuts, uh, they, they always had donuts and i w- would say oh well, these are just regular like dunkin donuts they're not vegan so i can't have any and so for years i was like uh i got into this uh quasi healthful right. regimen because right. while everybody else was scarfing down these donuts i'd be like well i just i'm not going to eat them they're not vegan and so it was an, it was didn't take any willpower to not eat them but now with dotty's donuts you know i've had to had to willfully not because otherwise i would just be scarfing those down all day long yeah it's not for me when things like that happen at work it's like oh this isn't even food like it doesn't even register in my mind as food but then when you realize that oh wait you can in fact eat it then you have to pull in the like well but do i really need to four inch diameter donuts right <laughs> need is kind of a it's kind of a mushy term want definitely <laughs> right yeah yeah maybe one and a half yeah yeah share with a friend there you go <laughs> <laughs> so um where can people find all of your work where can they get in touch with you where can they find your book well, uh, so my book uh, is on Amazon. Uh, if you look there, you can also go to Sullivan Street Press website, which is SullivanSTPress.com. Um, I will be uh, appearing at various things around Philadelphia. Uh, if you want to come see me, some of them will be explicitly book-related. I'll be at The Seed um, on August 14th. I don't know if this will be out by then, but I'll be at that. I'm uh, going to be doing an event in September that I'm still nailing down and um, uh, a few more throughout the fall. The best place uh, to go is uh, probably my blog on philly.com, which is called V for Vegan. Uh, my blog started in 2013 after uh, the 
the column had been going for a couple of years, and I considered putting vegan in the title of the column, uh, the newspaper column, and even then in 2011 was kind of like, you know, I'm just going to truncate it at, at VEG and leave it there, and uh, even though... Uh, the column, since its inception, has been 100% vegan. I don't ever tell people, you know, if if you're vegan, get this. If you're vegetarian, get this thing that has, uh, you know, some animal product in it. But um, it's it's been, you know, I, I realized that the column is going to a very mainstream blue-collar audience. And so it is always kind of... Uh, uh, trying to just put this umbrella over uh, the whole plant-based, veggie, vegan-friendly world for anybody who happens to be interested in it or can be gotten to be interested, <laughs> gotten interested in it. In it. Um, but uh, my blog, I started in 2013, and uh, I wanted to have something where I could do like quick hit things or do things that were off schedule or do things that were maybe not as strictly related to food as I would need to do in the food section. And so I started that up and asked the features editor of philly.com what it should be called. And she said, well, probably for SEO purposes, you're going to want the word vegan in it. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, okay, well, if you say so. so you're it, the editor. So it's called <laughs> Fee for Vegan. Um, anyway, I'm... Uh, that has uh, some information uh, about this, and it can be you can get there by just uh, typing in philly.com slash vegan blog. Um, you can also follow my column at philly.com slash v4veg. Uh, that's V-F-O-R-V-E-G or V numeral 4 V-E-G, whichever you prefer. Uh, and I'll be actually posting uh, when we get these uh, dates uh, worked out. I'll be posting on the blog uh, and just keeping track on one blog post uh, what what things are coming up. Great. Well, yeah. thank you very much for coming here and talking with me and sharing your stories. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Tegan Goes Vegan is produced by Tegan and Nathan Karuna with music by Amanda D'Amato. To learn more about the show, you can go to TeganGoesVegan.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast and on Twitter at Tegan Goes Vegan. You can also sign up for emails at TeganGoesVegan.com slash contact. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate and review it on iTunes at bit.ly slash vegan podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great vegan content.